Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 646 being pre-recorded on July 7th, 2020. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. I am absolutely delighted to introduce to you our guest, Doug Kay. Doug was one of the founding forces behind podcasting. He founded the Conversations Network in 2002 with the intent of coordinating a global team of volunteer podcasters to capture and publish lectures, seminars, and other significant events that would otherwise go unrecorded. Well, welcome to the show, Doug. Thanks, Allison. It's great to be with you. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, out of the Conversations Network came the beloved software tool, The Levelator. For any, we'll, we'll get into exactly what The Levelator does, but I've been such a huge fan of this tool over years, and it has a a glorious story of a phoenix that keeps rising from the ashes over and over and over again. Let's go back and, and talk about some of the history here. I, I refer to you as one of the founding forces in podcasting. Uh, your channel, IT Conversations, was actually the second ever podcast created. Is that right? That's right. Um, I mean, the first ever, depends who you ask, but if the first ever was actually Dave Weiner working with Chris Lydon. Chris had a great radio show on the w, WBUR, I think. And Dave said, let's make it a podcast. Well, the word podcast didn't exist in those days, but Dave added the MP3 tag to RSS and he put up an episode of Chris's show as an RSS feed and uh, the very next day, I had been doing a bunch of recordings. Uh, I had written a book, and I had interviewed people for the book. And the interviews were probably more interesting than the than the book itself. So I asked the people whom I interviewed if I could use the recordings and put them online. So I did. I called that IT Conversations. I ended up interviewing lots of people. But anyway, putting the first IT Conversations show in an RSS feed made it the second ever podcast. No, you didn't coincidentally come up with the technology, right? Did you talk to Dave and said, oh, that's cool. That's what I'm going to do, too? Well, I was following Dave's blog over at scriptingnews.com and uh, was very aware of what he was doing. I was doing a lot of RSS stuff on my own anyway. But when he added this uh, enclosure tag and attached audio, I said, that's a great idea. So I just jumped on his bandwagon. Yeah, Doug basically just told you what a podcast actually is. It's an enclosure in an RSS feed. That's simply all it is. That's it. <laughs> well, things have changed just a little bit since back then. But um, can you can you talk a little bit about IT conversations and what it was like to be on the forefront of, of podcasting? Well, of course, when you're on the forefront of something, you don't know you're on the forefront because <laughs> you don't know quite what's coming. But it was clear that it was a very interesting idea. And we all knew in the beginning that it was going to become a pretty big deal. Um, you know, as you remember, back in those days, most of the discussions were about um, commercialization and monetization of podcasts and how is it going to work and how is it going to own it? And of course, and this was, you know, this was 17 years ago or so. So. What we now know is podcasts, which are very mainstream. You know, every news outlet has it. Uh, every documentary uh, source has them and so forth. Uh, we we knew that it was going to grow and be popular, but we didn't know it was going to actually take so long. I think that's what surprised most of us. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because it seemed to to take off and, you know, it went from one or two to 10 to a thousand podcasts. But and then and then it just sort of leveled out for like, a decade, right? It it, yeah. it seems like around the time that Serial came along that it uh, all of a sudden I didn't have to tell people what a podcast was anymore. I think you're right. I think Serial was a breakthrough because, um, you know, people from public radio, as I remember, is that right? Who did that? Yeah. 
Uh, and, um, uh, that, that was one of the first more or less mainstream things. I mean, yes, podcasting was very popular among our little group of little, very small group of people. We thought it was a big deal, but the rest of the world didn't at that time. Yeah. Well, before, um, Apple kind of gave us a boost with iTunes, I remember trying to describe, well, and even with iTunes, I remember describing to people, okay, so you go to your computer and you get this file and then you download these files and then you plug your iPod into your computer and then you move the files, you know, they're already, they don't even care about what I was telling them in the first place, but they, it, it, it was such a huge hurdle. And now it's just, it's just ubiquitous, right? Right. Exactly. So one of the uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting about IT conversation, maybe the most interesting things was not the technology behind it, but what you were trying to do and succeeded at doing was take a worldwide distributed team of part time, mostly volunteer writers, audio engineers and producers to publish this broadcast quality programs. My first thought is, what were you thinking? <laughs> I mean, come on, that's <laughs> well, bananas. It, it. It, it evolved on its own. You know, we started with IT conversations, which was just me interviewing various IT experts on various topics and okay. it branched out. And then we, um, the most interesting step was when we went to O'Reilly uh, Media and approached them about podcasting one of their conferences. There was a thing called Emerging Technology oh. held in San Diego called eTech. And, um, I approached them and I said, well, two things. One is I wanted to stream it live. No one had ever done that before. No one had ever streamed these conferences live, or at oh, least wow. that I knew of. And we ended up doing it in a hotel and we installed ISDN lines. I mean, it was a major production. But O'Reilly was very nervous about putting these things online because they were afraid that we would cannibalize their in-person registrations. Sure. And I said, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's going to help you promote it. Well, Interesting things happen. For example, um, you know, we had, let's say, 400 people attended the live event, but yet we had 40,000 people <sighs> listening to the recordings. So uh, the, li the live event accounted for only 1% of the audience that ultimately heard those events. Uh, and obviously 40,000 wouldn't have ever gone, so it wasn't cannibalizing. Right, right. And we do believe that in subsequent years that it increased the registrations. And so that kicked off, and that was that replaced the whole thing. You know, you used to go to conferences, and there would be people selling cassette tapes or DVDs <laughs> or, or uh, sorry, CDs uh, in the lobby during the event, even. <laughs> and we sort of put those guys out of business because we made these downloads all available for free. Wow! So that took some courage was, by them to to take that leap. Then it was very courageous, and there were a number of people inside O'Reilly Media who were worried about it and against it, and we converted them all, and eventually O'Reilly took over their own podcasting, which was our goal. I mean... You were um, trying to teach them to fish? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so when we went beyond that, we started to discuss this, and I was talking to um, uh, Brewster Kale at Internet Archive, and we were chatting about this because, you know, Brewster and Internet Archive are very dedicated to saving media of all types from books to movies to television and so forth. Right. And um, Brewster came up with a great phrase. He says, you know, well, I was talking about how all these every day all around the world there are lectures given by famous Nobel laureates and people like this to small audiences that just disappear. And as Brewster said, yeah, this stuff just evaporates. And that was the phrase that got me going when he said evaporates. And so 
we created this mission to go out and try and record all these events that would evaporate and make them available to the public for free. And we teamed up with a number of universities and other outlets, and we started doing that. So get to your question. You did ask me a question. <laughs> no, anything, anywhere you want to go with this. I know so little about this time. This okay. is great. So, so we started doing that, uh, just a couple of people and I, and we were recording events. We would go to the events and set up recorders and do all that stuff. And we did it on our own dime. It wasn't a big deal. Um, but um, what happened was that the audience started to grow and people said, well, how can I help? Can I contribute? We said, well, uh, we put out a tip jar and people started putting money in the tip jar. People said, no, I want to help. I want to do audio engineering. I want to do writing because half of our work was actually writing the blog posts that went along with the uh, with the audio recordings. So we started to let volunteers come in and help out. And we um, we sort of trained them in our we, we created a system, a content management system. We trained them in how to use that for both the text and the audio. And then we started distributing the tip jar money. And we just said, whatever comes in for that month will get distributed sort of pro rata based on um, who did how much work and so forth. And we got, you know, oh. so many points for audio and so many <laughs> points for doing editorial. And, oh, neat. And then we had senior producers and junior producers. And so that's how the Conversations Network built. It was actually, we had at one point over 220 volunteers. Wow. We call them volunteers, but they they made some money through that. And then we had paid subscriptions and we had all sorts of things. So we ended up being able to pay our people, you know, what we called beer money uh, <laughs> or wine money. Cause it was a little better than beer money. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, that's that, that was the conversations network. It grew to, like I say, uh, over 200 people. Wow. So at, at some point you decided that this mission was complete. Um, and, and I, I find it interesting that you were able to do this. You, you, um, the internet archive acquired the conversations network in 2012. And, and I'm really intrigued on how you knew when it was complete, because I don't know how to stop things. Once I start something, I do it forever. I got, I got a job in 1978 and it took me until, uh, 35 years later to leave that same job. Um, I've been going to the same hairdresser for like 20 years and I don't even like her. I just don't know how to stop. I've been doing my podcast for 15 years without missing an episode, by the way, every single week, even the week I had uh, laryngitis, I had Siri read the, uh, uh, the podcast for me. So, uh, uh -huh. I don't know how to stop things. How do you, how do you come to that kind of a decision? I don't know. I've been married 49 years, maybe. Oh, so you don't know how to stop things either. Congratulations. The time had come. I mean, a, a number of things happened. When we did this all, our real mission was, you know, we a lot of people didn't think we should be a nonprofit. They said, well, why don't you go make money? I said, well, we have a mission that's greater than that. And that is to make it possible for anybody to, to record these events, these lectures, these speeches, whatever they are, and save them and distribute them. Hmm. So over time, uh, as you pointed out, iTunes came along the scene, and that was a big boost for podcasting. Uh, Libsyn, you know, who does a lot of the hosting and audio distribution. Um, and then a lot of tools came became available. Uh, audio people started, you know, bundling podcast kits with microphones and mixers and recorders and stuff like that. And so over a 10-year period, um, it became really possible for everybody to do this. Well, that meant two things. One, that a lot of our, quote, clients 
no longer needed us. Okay. O'Reilly, O'Reilly was an example, but there are others too. Stanford, we did stuff for the Stanford Graduate School of Business and a bunch of others. And they said, you know, we can do this. We don't need you. And that was, that was our mission was to make that possible. We can talk (laughs) about the levelator and why the levelator was an important part of that. But um, ultimately uh, it was time. You know, so we, it's sort of like a we kid that you put training we wheels. Signi- we weren't as significant in the world because we had been successful at what we wanted to do. Okay. So it's sort of like a, a kid with training wheels. Uh, you're, you're proud of them when they keep going without you holding on. Well, yeah, that's a good mer- metaphor for it. I just, you know, we said this, you know, this is working and, and it was getting, I mean, it was getting harder for us to find people who didn't know how to do this. And so we said, well, why, you know, we shouldn't be busting our butts for that. Uh, we've been successful. Let's just let it go, you know? And so uh, that's what happened. It's funny. Uh, what I find more often is people who say, uh, hey, Allison, I want to start a podcast. So I got this really cool mic and I got this mixer and I got my computer and I downloaded all the software. What should I talk about? <laughs> Well, no, that's not actually how it works. You need to start with the passion and then, and then, uh, you know, fall into the other stuff. I mean, I'm not against using it as an excuse to buy a lot of gear. Don't get me wrong, but that's just not the way it works. Well, that, that's interesting. Um, a little bit more in the internet archive. I've, I've been always intrigued with the internet archive and what it stands for and what it does. Um, Tom Merritt does an interesting thing with the daily tech news show. He doesn't host his audio files with uh, Libsyn or anybody like that. He hosts them on the internet archive. And his theory was why make them go get them and find them and move them. Why not just start them there in the first place? Have you ever heard of people doing that? Oh yeah. Uh, it makes perfect sense to me too. If you know, if you know your goal is to archive the content, why not start with the archive? Makes good sense. Um, you know, we had, when we were done, we had over 5,000 recordings, 5,000 wow. episodes from wow. various places. And, uh, we, we, not only did we want to make sure that they were available forever, but we wanted to maintain the URLs so that anybody who had linked it to them would be able to get to them. Oh, good so, point. Uh, you, you know, stop paying your archive. lips and bill. <laughs> yeah. So Internet Archive is local here in San Francisco Bay Area and uh, went over and we chatted and we talked and we worked out a lot of deals to make this happen. And we ended up moving all of our content to the Internet Archive. We created what we call a redirection server so that all the mm-hmm. old URLs redirect to the URLs on the Internet Archive. So you can go to any of our old shows and, and find them. Do you still maintain that uh, redirect server? Yes. Oh, wow. The redirect server is running on an Amazon web service instance and costs us, you know, something like 10 bucks a month at the most just to run that thing. So that's insignificant. But then we had a lot of, we had a lot of cash left over too. We had $40,000 in cash. And so we said, well, we can sweeten the deal. We'll donate our cash to the internet archive too. No way. Since it was a nonprofit, right? Yeah, they got a $40,000 infusion of cash and uh and they now they now actually own if you will the conversations network. The the board of directors that we have is primarily staffed with people from the archive and we're um you know we're sort of sitting on the um uh the the, the nonprofit and just figuring out what we're going to do with it in the future. 
Wow. So that explains uh, when I looked all of this up in Wikipedia, which is why I'm so good at all the dates and times and specifically what happened. It says the Conversation Network was acquired by the Internet Archive. They acquired you by you giving them $40,000. That's good negotiation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's an offer they can't refuse, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that, that Wikipedia article is funny. I know it's got it's got a number of errors in it, and I once tried to edit it. And they said, "Well, you can't edit it. You're one of the people in the who's mentioned." So, so because you not, know not, the not truth, important. yeah. <laughs> because you know the truth, you're not allowed to tell anybody. Well, maybe when we get done here, I could go edit it for you and fix it if you like. <laughs> Um, I actually did edit the Wikipedia article to tell them the exciting news about the levelator. I was so excited. I went in there and nobody had written it up yet. So I uh, I wrote that in. And that's kind of maybe that's a good segue into the levelator. So I have a mantra in my podcast is that if you're going to tell me a solution, you have to tell me the problem you're trying to solve first. And so what problem were you trying to solve when you came up with the idea of the levelator? Okay. Interesting problem because um, there were two things. One was we had a lot of poor quality recordings or the typical thing would be you get a, uh, a panel discussion and one person's right in front of the mic and the person next to him is not close to the mic. So the audio levels go up and down and up and down. Well, if you've ever listened to a podcast in a car, which yeah. most of us have, mm-hmm. you realize that you can't have that because you can't be turning the volume up and then down and up and down to overcome the road noise. So we realized we had to make these things more even. So we started to teach people how to use compressors and limiters and things like that. And in the beginning, we had fairly talented audio engineers. But over time, the the average talent of our audio uh, team got lower and lower, let's say. Okay. That was one problem we had. The other was that we built a very cool show assembly system. And this was a show assembly system that would literally put a show together on the fly from components. Components could be like the body of the whole show, uh, or it could be as small as a little snippet that says, the audio engineer for this episode was followed by the person's name, which was recorded separately. So you had uh, a typical show might be composed of 30 different pieces of audio recorded at totally different separate times with different levels. We had to make it match. We had to make it so that I could record a fragment of a sentence and another fragment of a sentence a week later and put them together. So um, we created Bruce Sharp, who's a a brilliant mathematician, his son, Malcolm, the two of them, Malcolm being a developer, uh, Bruce also a developer. Bruce was one of our engineers and we worked together He was very good at mathematical modeling and fast Fourier transforms and all this kind of heavy math stuff. I said, he says, well, I can make something that will even out the audio. I said, great, let's do that. All right. So the first thing we did did is we made a utility just for ourselves that would normalize the audio. And we can talk about the technology because it's different from most others. But the main thing is it made all the levels sound the same. Then what we did is we said, okay, we need to take all of these little snippets, not just the bodies of shows, but little pieces of audio and run them through this code so that they would all match. We did that. So we had this great automated show assembly system that was putting shows together on the fly. And if you listen to anything on the archive, 
you'll hear shows that were originally built from components, but you'll have trouble finding where the edits are because you won't hear them. Oh, wow. Ultimately, so, let again, me back our, you up a second. Goal, when when well, you're talking about snippets, are you so did you have a specific uh, level that you applied these snippets to? Because they're not all in if they're not in with the other audio, there's nothing to compare it to. Yeah, there, we, we developed a standardized level, which was a fascinating process because at that point there were no standards for audio levels. We went to public radio. We went to BBC. We talked to everybody you can imagine to try and find standard <laughs> audio levels. And there wasn't really anything for uh, audio files, for MP3s. So we created our own. I mean, uh, BBC had one and we ended up doing something fairly close to what BBC did. But this was the problem, is that there wasn't a standard. So we made our own, uh, based on really input from NPR and um, and BBC. So um, anyway, then if you remember, our mission was not just to do this ourselves, but to make this something that everybody could do. So we said, well, why don't we take this software that was part of our content management system and repackage it as an application that we can give away for free? And that was the Levelator. And we made a Windows version and a Mac version and a Linux version, in fact, and gave them away for free. And I think, you know, over the couple of years, we've had well over half a million downloads of, of that app. Um, now, that's that's combining multiple versions of it, but um, well over a half a million downloads. That's so that's, that's where Levelator came from. Just it was an internal tool that we decided would be valuable to distribute. I, I'm intrigued in, in the stuff you talked about earlier and in this now by um, the the philosophy of giving things away for free. Uh, there's a lot of people who find that just really bizarre. You know, I've I've had people ask me why I do the podcast for free. It's because I want to, you know, because it's really fun yeah. and, and, and it helps people and I get great joy out of helping other people. And it seems that a lot of podcasting um, in the old days and to some extent still today in our still in our little circle is about that is about, you know, somebody you can call somebody bigger than you and say, hey, would you would you come on my show and help give me a little signal boost? It's like, yeah, because somebody helped me. You know, I, I feel like we're this big chain of happiness of people pulling each other up. And it and it's uh it's it's a really nice thing. And it seems like you guys were were really at the forefront of doing that kind of thing. Well, and but that's what everybody was doing. I mean, look, imagine if Dave Weiner had decided to charge for RSS or something like that, <laughs> you know. Uh and so, you know, there was, like you say, in the from the beginning, there was a spirit that we were doing this and we were, you know, uh, you talked about somebody who wants to get started in podcasting. They better think about what their passion is first, not the technology, right? The thing you can't stop uh, doing. <laughs> right. Exactly. And um, uh, if that thing has a profit motive, then go ahead and do a for-profit podcast. Um, but I think, you know, certainly in the early days, those of us had, I wouldn't say it's more altruistic, but I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, had done college radio and they wanted to be involved in this kind of medium. And um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun. So after, uh, basically, the development stopped probably around 2012 when the Conversations Network was acquired for $40,000 donation by the Internet Archive. Right. Um, you stopped development on on uh, the Levelator, right? It just, it became stagnant and sat there, right? Well, we had, we had zero outstanding bugs. Everything was working. Wow. And so, um, but, you know, we did, um, we did shut down the website. 
and um, you know moved everything to the archive with those URLs still working. So there was no reason to do any development. It, it did all <laughs> that we wanted it to do. We didn't want to make it better, you know. I, I should describe to the listeners who aren't podcasters how this actually works. It's it's a it's an app that you launch and you take your audio file in uncompressed uh, wave or I think it supports AIFF as well. Is that right? Yes. And you take the file and you drag it on the icon. You you drag it onto the app and it goes. And when it's done, you have a leveled file. It, 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 there, there's some animation to keep you entertained to let you know that it's still working on it. And other than that, there's really, there's really no other features to go with. There's no dials. There's no tweaks. You simply put garbage in and get awesome out. <laughs> that was the goal. <laughs> now, one of the things uh, I love to do, and uh, I've probably done this to the SMR podcast about 38 times, is I'll be listening to show and their levels are all over the map. So what I do is I, I download the MP3 file on my Mac and I bring it up in um, in some recording application and I, I take a screenshot of what the waveform looks like, where you can see it's like 10 to 1 in size. I draw, I draw, uh, get a screenshot of that. Then I run it through the levelator and I, and I take a second screenshot and I show how, look, they're the same now. It took me 38 seconds to do this. Please, for the love of all things good in the world, run the levelator. And, and they'll, what was really funny with these particular guys is they kept swearing. The guy kept swearing he was doing it. And uh, I'll give uh, Chris a little shout out for being a because he kept saying, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. It turned out he was using some levelation thing in his recording tool, uh, but it wasn't doing a good job. It wasn't doing what the levelator does. And finally they stopped, you know, they knew they were just going to get an email a week from me till I, uh, till I fixed it. Yeah. So the interesting thing about the levelator, I should mention, we could talk about it forever, but the technology isn't what most people expect. You you talked about how easy the app is to use, that there are no knobs and dials. And over the years, we've had many people say, oh, I want to be able to adjust it. I want to be able to do this and that. Well, you can't do that with our technology. It's, um, it's basically building mathematical models of the audio. Um, and it's doing really two passes the first and this is why it can't be done with real time you can't hook it up as a plug-in for example to audacity or anything like that because it's not working in real time it's making a pass through the audio and it's building a model for the whole thing and then it's going back and making adjustments now it's not a compressor it's not a limiter um let me give you a good example of what a compressor does. So if I have a compressor and I start to talk very loudly, the compressor will turn down the volume to compensate for the fact that I'm speaking very loudly. When I stop talking, the compressor will then raise the level back up, bringing up the background noise. And you hear that rush of sound coming back when a compressor isn't really adjusted particularly well. It comes back up. Similar with a limiter. Limiter says it gets too loud, we just push it down. Um, but we don't adjust anything else. The it, the thing about the levelator is when no one's speaking, for example, it makes no changes. So that if I speak loudly and it adjusts my volume and then I stop talking, it doesn't bring up the background noise. It leaves it down where it was. Uh. And then if you start if you start talking quietly, it says, oh, there's another voice and it brings the volume of your voice back up and it'll leave the volume there. Um and it's making, and, and it takes into account a whole number of variations in speech and sounds. Um, we don't recommend it for music because it's probably going to mess up the music. 
but we also had an, a goal which is you sort of do no harm, if you will. <laughs> so, so for example, you cannot process an MP3 file. You have to process an uncompressed file. Why? Because if we take an MP3 file, we have to decompress it, process it, and recompress it. And there's no way that it's going to be better. Um, potent- if you started with a good audio file, you're going to end up with one that's not as good. So right, refuse right. to do that. Good, good. Anyway, so, so the levelator is quite different. Um, there are about 40 parameters to it, and you would not recognize a single one of them. There's nothing like delay or time or level or any of this stuff. They're all very abstract mathematical parameters. Oh, wow. So uh, is, the, is the code open source that you can let people no. look at or no? No. Okay. No, what happened was uh, it was developed by Bruce and Malcolm, uh, and Norm Lorraine did the UI in Canada. And um, Bruce owned the source code. That was the deal. Uh, he gave the Conversations Network a license to distribute it for free in the packaged form, the binary form. And the Conversations Network, interestingly enough, owns the trademark for the levelator. So we have the trademark. Bruce has the source code. Bruce ended up uh, selling his business to Red Giant, which is a big video software company. And that included the rights to the levelator. Red Giant went through a whole thing. Red Giant was going to distribute it. They wanted the the the, um, the trademark. We said, well, no, we, we're going to only use the trademark when this is given away for free. Anyway, the rights went back to Bruce. Bruce owned it with his company, Singular Software. And so we all agreed that Bruce would produce Bruce would produce a new version um, for uh, Mac OS because Catalina and 64-bit had broken everything. Oh, yeah. And, well, um, let's, let's talk about that. How did they, I mean, okay. this was one of the great tragedies of the Internet, of podcasting as a whole. The people were throwing <laughs> ashes on themselves in the streets that 64-bit was going to break the levelator and it was the end of times. And then just out of the blue, it was like, oh, yeah, here's the 64-bit version. How, how did that happen? I mean, you guys well, are disbanded. Yeah, but we were we were discussing this on an ongoing basis for years and years and years. But we needed to find Bruce needed to find time to work on it, and we needed to find a developer who would do the new uh, UI because we did change the user interface for the app. And and Malcolm um, had uh, lost interest in his dad. <laughs> no, I think Malcolm was probably working on it, but you know Malcolm's off making a living as a developer these days. Um, so I'm not sure exactly who did what. Um, but we ended up with a thing. And then we decided also to put it in the App Store. It's in the Apple App Store now. Well, so for, the, those, for, are, is, those are two separate events, though, right? Separated by a couple of years or a, more than a year, right? Well, more, more, well, the development has been discussed since, uh, you know, 2013 or so. So it's been a long project. Well, I saw it as two different events because there was the it rose from the ashes with this 64 bitness and everybody was all excited. And then uh, we thought, oh, man, you know, it's probably going to die again with with uh, the next version of the OS. And then all of a sudden it was in the App Store. And that was no, just the, like the 64 bit version is only in the App Store. It's never been anywhere else. Oh, what was it? OK, then there was something else that broke. I'm I'm missing a piece. Um, uh, not for us. Not for us. It must be something else. No, 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 I no. Mean, there, a, there was a hack people were doing to get it to work at one point. Ah, oh, nuts. I'm trying I mean, to remember. I'm, I mean, I, I was running it. I, I run uh, Catalina here, but I run um, 
was before uh, Catalina. Uh, then. I run Parallels. I run an old version. I run an old version of Mac OS so that I could run the levelator on it. So I was, <laughs> I was, I was using it myself, but I had to export it to a virtual machine to get it to work. Okay. Okay, but I thought there were, I thought there were two different because there was an update just uh, like a couple of years ago that it rose from the ashes once and then it then it was going to die again with Catalina and it came back. Uh, I don't think so. Huh? I don't think so. If you go to levelator.org, I think that's the URL. You can see the download for the last version before the App Store version, but I think that was a number of years ago. I don't and I don't think it had anything new in it. Oh, that's interesting because I, I shoot. Uh, let's see. Levelator.org says 503 service unavailable at webarchive.org. <laughs> so that redirect what? might not be working. Where's Levelator? All let's right. See. This is going to make uh, this can make for some good audio. But uh, let's see here. Oh, it was in El Capitan. It was in 2015. Tidbits wrote it up. How to revive the Levelator in El Capitan. Huh. Ah, and then it said the Conversations Network has now released an update to the Levelator that works in El Capitan, so the instructions in this article are no longer necessary. Okay. Uh, so, so that was, what was the date on that? That was in 2015 that you guys came out with the update. Interesting. Um, I, I have to look at the dates because it was 2012 when we did what we thought was the last version. <laughs> and what was that? What was that version number? Does it say? Uh, let's see. Well, I, I can't get to that, but it was saying... Um, yeah, they, they, let's see. There was a library that wasn't working, it looks like. There was some kind of library problem that... Uh, oh, yes. I, I seem to remember that. I seem to remember. There was something very minor like that. But it yeah. wasn't the big 64-bit issue. It was a no, very, no. some very small thing. You're right. Right. But that, so we were the, all dying then. The, that, that was the old team. That was Bruce and Malcolm and um, Norman uh, who did that work. So Okay. Um, so there that really the were four. two rises from the ashes. You, you are you are correct. You are correct. <laughs> Apparently, it was more emotional for me than it was for you. <laughs> well, I, at that point, I wasn't doing any podcasting. Probably. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, if you'd been with us doing that, it was uh, it was really tough. Um, it, it is an interesting and fantastic thing to see this in Catalina. It's got a new logo. It's got a new animation. It still doesn't have any bells or sw uh, whistles to it. You simply launch it, drag your file onto it, and then the magic happens. Yeah. You know, there's an interesting debate goes on there. Since we did the Levelator, a number of similar products have come out. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the big things that happened, of course, was there were standards developed for audio. Um, and a lot of the standards bodies have adopted this, um, the algorithms for loudness. Right. And and the levelator does not use those rules. You will not get the same result from the levelator uh, as you get from these audio standards. However, oh, and there are a lot of people who now have uh, tools like um, Alphonic. What is the? Alphonic leveler, it's called. Yeah, Alphonic leveler. And a lot of people love that. And a lot of people, not a lot, but a few people insist it's much better than the levelator. And they talk about all the technology and blah, blah, blah. And what I encourage people to do is um, try them both. Don't hmm. pass judgment until you try it, because these tools work in very, very different ways. And you may like the sound of one versus the other. Hmm. Uh, but but it's I think it's important to try them both. Yeah. I think, you know, most most of the people who use the levelator 
obviously like the Levelator. <laughs> well, the Levelator is certainly uh, for the right price, obviously. Uh, Alphonic Leveler is is not inexpensive. I did buy it and I do have a subscription to it. I bought the, the desktop version of the app because I figured, okay, I'm going to be using this thing forever. I don't want to pay a subscription. And then I found out after I paid $100 for the desktop version that it uh, it didn't support chapters. And I wanted to be able to maintain my chapters. And mm-hmm. so uh, I ended up I end up for one of my shows. I do it locally on the hundred dollar version, but I also pay for the the monthly subscription. You know, I haven't ever gone back and listened to them side by side, but the the same file I was uh, uh, I got on the loudness bandwagon and and the loudness isn't I, I, I do need help with that in my levels. I do need it to be louder than the way I record it. Um, mm-hmm. So I I thought I was doing the right thing, but now you've got me wondering whether I should listen to both and and see. I think the main thing about loudness was that if everybody maintained the standards, then you wouldn't even have to turn the volume up and down between podcasts, right? Right, right. Well, I mean, if, if you look at what you're doing now, you know, you're sitting in front of a good microphone in very controlled conditions. You're going to make a good podcast. And the only reason you need any of these tools is simply to come up with a more standardized level, not really solving a problem of your audio because your audio sounds fine. But if you had uh, an interview with somebody and they were, you know, way back, far away from the microphone and so forth, and they had varying levels, right? Or worse yet, turning um, their head like this from side to side while they're talking to the yeah. person next to them at the panel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Um, or if you had problems with background noise, um, this is where you'd see the difference. I mean, other than that, all it's doing is raising or perhaps lowering your audio level to a, a standard level, uh, which is valuable, but um, you're not going to hear the kinds of difference that we're, we were trying to solve, which is much more dramatic variations in level. Um, and if you have a recording like that, I would say run it through both tools and see what you get. I mean, if it's just a matter of bringing up your levels two or three dB, any app can do that. <laughs> Drag a slider, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, does the Levelator support chapters or would they be gone after I, I ran it through that? It's a really good question. I started to think about that. Nothing that we did to explicitly support them. Are there chapter marks? I think they're only in the MP3 file, though. Are they in the WAV file also? Um, are, the AI, are they in the AIFF file? So I normally export as an M4A before I send it to Auphonic. Yeah. Uh, but I I believe they're maintained. That's a yeah. good question in, in the WAV file. So well, I could run an experiment I, I and find out. If Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if the way that we're reading and writing wave files would would preserve those or not because they um uh and it depends because that implies that there's an index block at the beginning that you don't have to read the whole file to find all the chapter marks, right? Yeah. Is you should be able to just read the beginning of the file. These applications should read the beginning of the file to identify where all the chapters are. So, we'll see. The the good news is that the the wave file should end up exactly the same size. We, we, it should be, you know, except for the levels, it should be bit by bit the same. So, so loud things aren't bit more bits. Does it work no. that way? No, loud things are not more bits. No, no. <laughs> Well, this has really, really been interesting. I love the walk down memory lane and learning about the way things uh, have been. Uh, are you are you still involved in podcasting today? Uh, well, given the COVID lockdown and all that, I'm uh, uh, for the last ten years or so, I've been very active with photography. 
Oh, and I right, am, right. I'm the uh, co-president of the local photo club. And we used to, of course, meet face-to-face for a variety of social events and competitions and education nights. And now it's all online. So I'm super busy. I think I'm doing, for photography, I'm probably doing five or six Zoom meetings a week. And then, of course, you know, my family, we have our pandemic cocktail hour where people As across the country get, <laughs> get together every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for cocktails. Oh, you do it three um, days a week. I only do it uh, twice a week. I got to step up my game. <laughs> You do, you do, you do, but just watch out for the liver because it's, you know, it's, it gets sensitive. <laughs> well, I think we've just all given up on weight gain, what our hair looks like and drinking. I mean, we gotta, you gotta give us something, Doug. That's right. That's right. So anyway, um, that's really, I'm, and I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of interviews for the club. We have 155 members and I'm going and I'm posting interviews of some of our club members because, um, you know, everybody who's, you know, of a certain age has a lot of good stories to tell about their lives. And um, I'm finding very, very interesting things among members of the club. Oh, interesting. Are those uh, are those put out as a podcast or are they written uh, interviews? They're on, they're on, they're on YouTube, actually, because we record them on Zoom. Oh, okay. So okay. Because we're looking at their photographs, too. We're looking at all the work that they've done over their careers. Oh, neat, neat. That's very cool. Um, I have an idea for you as a guest on another podcast, so uh, we'll talk about okay. that offline. <laughs> well, so this has been great. If people want to see your great photography and and connect with you, what would be the best way to do that? Well, they can go to DougK.com, D-O-U-G-K-A-Y-E.com. And from there, you can find everything. That'll That's my photography portfolio site, but it also has links to my other stuff. My blog is horribly inactive. I think the last post was a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> you said you're really uh, active on Facebook too? Facebook. Yeah. They just Doug K on Facebook. You'll find me there. <laughs> well, your, great. Your grandfather's network. <laughs> exactly. All the kids are gone. They're over on TikTok and we're still there. Right. right. All right. Well, this has been fantastic. I can't tell you how much fun this has been for the walk down memory lane and to see that uh, the levelator will live on is just just the greatest thing ever. That it's such a gift to podcasting and uh, it's such a gift to podcast listeners everywhere. Yeah, I, I still hear podcasts and I'm in the car and I say, damn it, I wish they would use the levelator because I'm tired of turning the volume up and down as they change speakers. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Doug. Okay, Allison, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the Nocilla Castaways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other Nocilla Castaways. There's two great places to do that. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack, or you can join our Facebook group at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.